As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. One, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Three, you will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions and must be 21 or older to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-327-369. 5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, and 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,500 first bet offer today. baseball show for friday september 15th uh peter is he might be making his apartment look like the barcelona airplane right now stomach bugs still just ravaging him (laughs) so you've got arm and i for the fourth time this week do you hate me by now a little bit he's also dealing with some laptop issues like peter peter's going through it right now um the the good news is hell (laughs) <laughs> yeah, his laptop's not working. Good news is he's nine and four in NFL plays. So uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely tail Peter on the NFL plays. But yeah, week from hell for Peter, week from hell for me because I have to do three in a row with you here. But, yeah. you know, we, we're managing. We're, four, four, oh, Jesus. People yeah, forget was, Sunday was, at wishful, like 1030. Wishful PM. thinking. Yeah. Wishful thinking. Um, yeah, that the Sunday episode. Uh, but no, that this is uh this is good stuff, man. We got a lot of interesting topics to to get into. And um unfortunately our uh our suspicions on Scherzer were kind of proven right, I guess, in a way, with with him being unavailable. So a lot of things to kind of talk about. And I know that the Phillies rotation situation going into the playoffs is a really interesting one, too. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited. We kind of got a nice little slate of topics that were do- like delivered to us at the end of the, the night last night. Obviously, the Scherzer one sucks, but there's some positive updates as well. Yeah, so we've got Scherzer and then another Ranger topic that we're going to hit on, which has been pretty fun. We've got a Baltimore Orioles thing that we got to hit on with a certain maybe promotion, sort of, kind of. It was reported by the Baltimore Banner. 
We haven't seen anything official just yet. Um, you also have a, a nice arm and a Cy Young winner on rehab. And then the Phillies rotation will wrap with games of the weekend. Just baseball show presented by BetMGM. Uh, we've got that new promo code that you heard off the top of the podcast. If you don't remember it, uh, you should go back and listen to the very beginning of the podcast and then skip to this timestamp. We'll start with Scherzer, Terrace Major, tricep strain. Sounds like he's done for the year. And Bochi or Chris Young said a return for the postseason was highly unlikely. Yeah, I don't I don't know which one said it, but uh, regardless, it is a higher up saying that he is likely done for the year. And we kind of doomsdayed that thing and said, if he's out for the year, these are our concerns about the Texas Rangers. Now he's out for the year. Yeah. So those concerns you heard on yesterday's show are now validated and we'll run through them real quick. If you didn't listen to yesterday's show, um, they've got a thin postseason rotation, man, especially with the Evaldi coming off the shelf. Um, you know, the velo is back for him, but we mentioned it's it's probably Jordan Montgomery game one, John Gray game two, and the tandem of Evaldi and Heaney for game three. And you just yeah. can't rely on that to win your <laughs> postseason series. No, no. And that's that's where it's going to be really interesting now. And I think guys are almost kind of auditioning a little bit for, for responsibility in the playoffs if they make it over the next couple of weeks. We'll say Jamont looks great again. And we were just talking about not to almost to run it back on the same episode and talk about the same exact thing. But it was just interesting that we have that whole conversation about both Toronto and Texas. Texas's rotation, all that good stuff. Jamont throws really well. Toronto's offense continues to disappoint. And now Texas is kind of starting to create a little bit of separation here. Half game up on, on Seattle as we're recording this and a game and a half up on Toronto in, in the wild card. So I, I'm going to say, man, I trust Jamont as much as anybody in this rotation. And, and it was kind of that way even before. So that's going to be their guy. And he's going to have to really, really shove in, in that first game. Uh, when they get to the playoffs, but the tough part with the three game set is you you, you don't know if you're even going to get to that third game and <clears throat> you're going to be at a disadvantage almost surely in game two. Well, and, and, and that's the interesting part of it. And the tough part of the Rangers situation is they have no idea if they're even going to get to game one of a three game set with with how the other three teams in the wild card picture are looking. Um, the Rangers, it seems more likely than not that they are the odd man out. Um, well, I would disagree with that now, though, because they're, they're all of a sudden playing well, which is bizarre. Like they, they, they're one five in a row and, and they've beat up on Toronto to head to head to kind of separate themselves a little bit. But unless you think they're going to like fade in the next what, 15, 16 games? I do. I do think that they're going to fade in the next 15, 16, because you look at what they've done on the Hill. Like the offense, the offense was the best in baseball. They haven't been the best in baseball since the break, but they've been close to it. They've been a top 10 offense in the game. But, you know, you, you look at who they're relying on in terms of the horses right now. Andrew Heaney's been really good since the break. 50 innings since the break, he's got a 306. But Evaldi, he's walked six, he's punched out six, he's allowed... What, I think, uh, yeah, 10 hits and nine and two-thirds in his return from the IL stint. John Gray's got a 5-1-5 since the break. Dane Dunning has a five and a half since the break. Martin Perez has a four and a half out of the bullpen pretty much since the yeah, break. I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's it's tough for me to look at this assortment of probable pitchers that they're going to run out there and say, yeah, they're definitely going to muscle their way into the wild card. I can't see it. Like, you know, you feel decent about John Gray, but he's got a 5-2 since the break. I, 
I just I feel really shitty about Toronto. Like I just thought this was an opportunity for them to gain some ground and and they they've gotten bullied by by Texas. But as we're recording this, you know, they're going to play later today. Uh, and they've got Kevin Gosman on the bump against Yavaldi, who's going to be on, on you know, a sh- still a short start. And I think it's going to be a really defining game there. I, I think it's – I mean, every game is increasingly important the rest of the way, but you, you could argue that this is one of the most important games, if not the most important game of the year for, for both teams because Texas beats Toronto. You create that separation now to two and a half games. And also, it's like this statement where you had your Cy Young contender and, and Kevin Gosman on the bump. We added our our guy that's just come back off of injury was awesome, but you know we don't know what he's kind of a mystery bag right now. And yeah. and we won again and we sweep you. If Texas wins the game, that will be that will have a result by the time this episode is out. I think it's really hard to to say that they you know could give it up. But if they lose this one, then I I, I agree with you. I think it's it's wide open again. So the pendulum's going to swing, and this is all going to be a moot point. We love recording podcasts in the morning. Um, we'll <laughs> jump to another ranger, and this guy is a farmhand right now, but he's hit three bombs with double-A Frisco. Wyatt Lankford might just be the truth, and I, I shit on you a little bit uh, with Lankford. It was out of love, and it was out of sarcasm as well, because um, Lankford was a guy that you know you sold me on going 1-1. I think the industry kind of sold me on as – you know, maybe the best hitter in the draft. Uh, it, it was so hard not Cruz. And I still think that Cruz may be a better player than Wyatt Langford because he seems more well-rounded. But in terms of early auditions and early returns, Wyatt Langford has been the best player in minor league baseball yes. since he debuted. And, yeah. and this guy, we talked about him earlier this week, and he's got three more bombs. Three home runs since we we had that that conversation, um, which was which is so great because I texted you and I was like Langford Homer and you're like I, I don't know who that is uh, and then he hit another the one Celtics yeah 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 Romeo, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but realistically like of course th- this doesn't define who's going to be the better player ten years from now but what it does kind of define for me is that you can comfortably say Langford's going to climb quickly and be a big leaguer. And and I think he's just elevating his floor so much in terms of yeah, this guy's just looking more and more like somebody that you can count on to be a big league regular. The, the two swings that he got off, it was a pitch at the top of the zone that he goes backside the other way. And then there was another one pitch up and in borderline ball up and in on the hands. Like it would have hit Acuna in the elbow where this pitch was located. And he not only gets his swing off, he gets it out to the pull side. He's a freak. So I just wanted to mention that real quickly because that's really exciting uh, for, for, for Texas Rangers fans. At least we can give you a little glimmer of, of hope here. Uh, but I feel like we've talked about the Rangers so much the last two days. Yeah. Odds he can break camp real quick. I think high. As long as there's a need for him, right? Like they're not going to force it and displace Adolis Garcia. But I think very high. It's really hard to justify you know, starting him in AAA if he shows out in camp. But I, I think. I think they start him in triple and and ease him in there and, and then bring him up when it makes the most sense. But I think if he has a really good camp, it'll be hard to justify sending him anywhere but the big leagues. Other numbers that jump out, nine walks drawn, three punch outs in his first 36 plate appearances. Come and on. Double A too, man. Like that, It's not easy. This is road to the show on rookie mode for Wyatt Langford right now. And yep. yeah, I, I think... I, welcome to the new frontier of baseball where you've got a guy that's lighting it up at Florida and the fourth overall pick can debut on opening day of 2024. Yep. Wow. Yeah. 
I love yeah. where baseball's at. This is fun. And like, yeah, the angels are kind of the butt of the joke because every guy that they draft, it's, Oh, he'll be it. You'll be with the big club in two months. Like Shauna well and Ben Joyce and Neto. Um, but man, like that's just kind of where the bar is at with the best players in college. Mm-hmm. Obviously if you're taking the 15th overall pick and you're shoving him up there, it doesn't work. Um, it's kind of worked for Shauna. Well, who's writing what 20 game on base streak to open his <laughs> yeah. pro career. Yeah. Um, but man, like, I don't know. It, I think these winners, if they somehow fluke their way into a top 10 pick, which is what Texas did. Texas wasn't good last year. They had the fourth overall pick. They're one of the best teams in baseball this year. They grabbed a guy that can help them very soon. Yep. Now, if yep. Detroit took Lankford and they were, you know, I don't want to say stuck with Jenkins or Max Clark, but if they grabbed a high school guy, then, okay, you take him the the conservative, you know, tried and true route of developing per level. But with a college bat like this, who was arguably the best college hitter in America this year, that guy just seems to be ready year after year after year. Yep. Yep. And it's just because of how good college baseball is getting. So there's a lot of incentive to go to college now, too, which is really cool. Uh, and I think college baseball is going to be in a really good spot for a really long time. If you take out the the very long layoff because he was dealing with myocarditis as um, kind of a repercussion of, of ha- having COVID early. Heston Kerstad has had a rapid ascension through the minor leagues. And this guy, his 2023 epitomizes making up for lost time. Oh yeah. And there were reports from the Baltimore banner. I'll, I'll go grab the name right now, but there were reports from a local paper in Baltimore that with Ryan Mountcastle, you know, dealing with a shoulder thing and likely hitting the injured list. Apparently, Kerstad was on his way from Norfolk to Baltimore. If Heston Kerstad does debut, remember, he will not be eligible for the postseason roster. But if he does debut, I think you're getting a guy that can hit the ground running as well as any hitter in professional baseball. And and there are some guys like Pete Crow Armstrong. We had that conversation. It's going to take an acclimation process offensively. With Kerstad, and correct me if you, you believe I'm wrong, I feel like this guy may not go through an acclimation process at all. Not, I don't think too much uh, because of just how good of a hitter he is. And, and it's interesting because I really don't think they were planning on bringing him up this year at this point. Of course, if they were, they would have probably made you know, made the push to have him eligible for the postseason roster. But remember, when that deadline came around, Mountcastle was kind of t- turning the corner with, after dealing with, with all of the ailments that he was dealing with and, and vertigo, if I'm not mistaken, and those kinds of things. So they were really probably excited about what Mountcastle was doing, a proven big leaguer with, with big time power. So why, why rush Kerstad up now? Kerstad's kind of come down to earth a little bit over the last month or so. I, I assume he's probably just a little bit fatigued as well, because we talk about the the marathon that is, you know, a, a professional season, especially at triple a, he doesn't really have that much experience playing a full, full, full campaign like this. And we've seen him slow down a little bit. He's still been really, really solid overall. And his numbers on the year are, are fantastic. But they've been playing him more at first base, I think, just in case in an emergency type of situation. So he's been getting the reps there. There is some versatility to be able to play the outfield, play first base. I, I do think he can make an impact right away. The, the one, one, one concern I have is he has just been an aggressive hitter all year long, high chase rate. Uh, but again, it's within the margin of, hey, if he's a really good hitter and and he's still makes decent swing decisions, he's just a little over aggressive. Yeah. You can succeed that way. And I think he's going to like, that's one of those things where the league adjusts to you maybe over a month or two months or three, like we saw with Ellie De La Cruz, 
But in terms of giving a boost for a couple weeks, I think he absolutely can do that. And I'm excited for that because this is a big league taste for him. And now he comes back next year with with a chance to break camp. And if he shows well, maybe maybe the Orioles find Mount Castle as expendable and, and maybe they move him or they can get a little bit more creative and have a little bit more of an understanding of what their roster can look like for next year. So I'm excited for this cursed dad audition. And also, as you mentioned, just his journey, um, it it's, it's gotta be such a, a special feeling for him uh, to be able to, to break into the big leagues because I mean, this guy didn't play for over 800 days, uh, you know, between his final collegiate game and, and his first pro game. Yeah. I mean, this guy like had to be itching more than any other prospect in baseball. Cause he was taken second overall. He was, you know, a guy that, I, I don't necessarily think it was a reach. And looking back, it certainly isn't a reach. But at the time, it was perceived as really Kerstad. It was an underslot. It was an underslot number two pick. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Kerstad, like, okay, you have your your breakout season at Arkansas. You could say his sophomore year at Arkansas was, was truly the breakout. But you could say that, like, you know, his 2020 was going to be the one that cements himself as worthy of the number two overall pick. And Kerstad goes second in 2020. This is two months after his college season was full-blown canceled because of the COVID pandemic. And then he contracts COVID. And myocarditis, which is inflammation of the heart, that held him out of pretty much the entirety of 2021. Did he make a, a brief cameo at the end of 2021? Uh, no, I don't no. think so. So he missed the entirety of 21. He came back in 22. He missed some time front half of 2022. Uh, and then he hopped into the fall league in 22 and now has been amazing in 23. It was Andy Koska uh, from the Baltimore banner that, that broke that news last night. Um, they have to trade someone. And I know yeah. that like, I'm just, I'm pounding the pavement on this show constantly. I'm like, for the love of God, like move Mount yeah. Castle or move Kowser if you want, like, is there space for Colton Kowser? Is there space for Joey Ortiz? Is there space for Westberg if you like Ortiz? I just, I don't understand the idea of hoarding all these guys. There's going to be a crazy move that goes down to the winter meetings. They're going to get an ace for three prospects. They're, they're going to do something. I, I don't know how aggressive they're going to be or whatever it may be, but they are going to have a 40-man crunch because a couple of the guys that you already mentioned are on the 40-man roster. Yeah. Kerstad needs to be added to the 40 man uh, anyways. And I think that's part of the reason why they were fine with, with promoting him. And I think it's part of the reason why we haven't seen confirmation yet is there's going to have to be some sort of, you know, corresponding move. I wonder if they immediately, that out. I wonder if they immediately 60 day Mount castle. I bet they don't. Yeah. I, I wonder because if he's possibly available for the postseason, they're going to, they're going to want to, you know, have him there. It'll be interesting to see how they approach it, but they're going to have a 40 man crunch. And I think for that reason, we're going to see them make a move kind of raise raise style because the Rays have to do that every year too, because they have so much talent. And yeah. I think we'll finally see the trade made by Baltimore in the winter meetings. I totally agree with you. Yeah. I'm trying to like ID the guy that could get DFA here to make room. It'll already be out. <laughs> yeah. We'll already be <laughs> You're right. Good point. Is it Aaron Hicks? Oh God. They're going to DFA Aaron Hicks. Maybe Stowers, maybe Taryn Vavra. We'll see. Um, yeah, man, I'm excited to watch Kerstad. And I tweeted last night, I tweeted on Wednesday night when that news like kind of broke, um, that like somehow this lineup gets even more enjoyable and not to say Mountcastle isn't enjoyable because Mountcastle is enjoyable, but there's just like another layer to the, are they really going to do this with Kerstad being in the lineup all the time? Um, you watched a really successful rehab with the Akron rubber ducks (laughs) from Shane Bieber. I, Robinson Cano in the SpongeBob jersey is all time. 
um, a guy playing for the rubber ducks is kind of hilarious. And Bieber looking like, you know, Bieber pre-injury was really encouraging as an actor in rubber duck. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I I was just so happy to see that Bieber is just such an easy guy to root for and somebody that, you know, we've talked about how, how good he was when he was mid nineties and how he's still been able to survive at low nineties. And then when he had this injury again, it was, it was a little concerning because it's like, okay, he can't go any lower than 91 at that point. Then it's just not going to play the same. And I was really interested to see how the velocity looks in this rehab start. And he went three and two thirds shutout or one run, excuse me, one walk and four strikeouts. The command was a little spotty. That's fine. I, I, it's going to come uh, after after shaking off the rust from so long. But the most important thing was fastball average 91 miles per hour. I think it was like 91.3. And that's pretty much on par with his career, with his averages over the last two years, where he's like right around 91.5. Yeah. So that's really encouraging. And, and I'm, I'm happy to see that. I wonder if they're going to try to get Bieber back up to the big leagues, maybe like one last start and, you know, see if they're still going to try to move him. I think it makes more sense to probably have him, as part of the rotation next year, especially with how weirdly diminished it's been at, at points. And, you know, we'll see McKenzie's rehab start wasn't as clean. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, I, I imagine they start the year next year with Bieber. And especially now that he's trending in a way that he'll be ready for opening day. And maybe they move him at the deadline. Uh, it's not going to be the biggest return since he's a rental, but we yeah. saw what some rentals were able to bring in. And I think you can get more for a rental who's performing than uh, injured question mark. And you get a full year of that. You know, so yeah. I, I'm interested to see how they approach it, but I'd imagine it's it's that. Giolito is performing. Look what they got for him. Yeah. yeah <laughs> hardly three too. in that organization. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think they hold on to him. He helps yeah. them through the first half of the season. And then, you know, that rotation becomes so fortified anyways with the young guys and, and some of the other dudes that they can bring up. Cash Bieber in and True Guardian style sell, but not sell and still try to compete. And I think that's what they do. Best version of that rotation opening day 2024 is probably Bieber, McKenzie, Williams, Bybee, Logan Allen. That's so good. It's really good. That's so good. Like, really I don't good. think people realize how good Bybee is. And I mean, Gavin Williams is awesome. He's just going to keep getting better. And he has you know, potentially frontline upside. But Bybee has a chance to, I, I put it out, I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but he has a chance to be one of the very few rookie starters to throw more than 140 innings at a sub three ERA and, and the group of pitchers, it, like it was like five of them yeah. and it was Jose Fernandez. It was a couple like misfits and then a couple other just superstar type of arms. It's, it's a really special year that he's having. And that's a guy that almost feels like I wouldn't say forgotten because I think people are really starting to appreciate how good he is, but I don't think he's regarded in the same, in the same way as some of the top pitching prospects that have come up and succeeded and he's pitching as well as any of the top pitching prospects that have come up and and broken in aside from, you know, the, the Jose Fernandez madness and, you know, maybe one or two other rookies in the last 10, 20 years, really. Yeah, um, here it is. Bybee. Yeah, two days ago, Bybee could become the fifth rookie starting pitcher in the last decade with a sub three and 140 innings. Jose Fernandez, Jacob deGrom, Colin McHugh and Mike Soroka, <laughs> Michael Soroka. Sorry, not Mike Soroka. Um, yeah, I mean, like Soroka. Yes, you can look at him as a misfit, but dude, not really. He was like, amazing. He was awesome. He's the only misfits really call him a Q. Yeah, but and like, like he, even he, he, he was out a spot. In the nice, whole time. he's had a nice career. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's good company right there. 
2025 opening day. Best version of that rotation. Williams, Bybee, Allen. I assume Bieber's off the squad. Yeah. Is McKenzie off the squad? He might be. I don't know what they're going to do with him. He's just, I have so much concern about the injuries, but I think they try to keep him. So let's say McKenzie. McKenzie. And then, you know, pick your poison in, in the minor leagues right now. The ghost of Daniel Espino. Espino, sure. How about Cantillo? How about Will Dion, uh, who, by the way, is awesome again this year somehow? Uh, how about Messick? How about, I don't know, man. There are there are options. The Guardians just always do this with starting pitching. They're always going to have a guy to turn to. Um, before we get a little bit deeper into the Phillies rotation, because they really don't have a guy to turn to right now as the five, I think. Um Real quick, fantasy football is here. We all run into this issue. You think your squad is better than your buddies, but you're not in the same league. How do you take home bragging rights? Your solution is Verse Gaming. Their unique platform allows you and your friends to sync your fantasy football team directly from ESPN, from Yahoo, or from Sleeper, and play head-to-head matchups against league mates. Even better, Verse formulates gambling lines for your specific matchup. So if I'm playing you, Arm, on Verse, I bet that I'll cover you know three and a half, four and a half against you because I feel you really wouldn't. good about Amon Ra. No, man. I who who's your ringer? I think I also Amon Ra. <laughs> so it would be it would be an Amon Ra showdown. I'm all in on the Detroit Lions, by the way. Verse is introducing a brand new element of fantasy sports. Just download the Verse Fantasy Sports app. And in just a few taps, you can start putting money down on your head-to-head matchups. Once you've signed up, you get a $20 referral bonus if you get your friends to sign up. And even better, they'll receive 50 bucks in promo for using your code. Verse is available in 23 states, including California, Florida, Texas, New York, and Illinois. For more information, visit versegaming.com or find them on your favorite social media platform at Verse Fantasy, V-E-R-S-E Fantasy. Verse Fantasy, you want in? I want in on the Detroit Lions. I want a blue ski mask, but Amazon sold out because CJ Gardner-Johnson told everybody to get them. (laughs) Dan Campbell's got something cooking there, man. I'm all the way in. I love Dan, man. I love him all the way back from his uh, his interim days with the the Dolphins. (laughs) I love that. And I would adhere to his coffee order, but I do want to live past 60, so... I, that, that that's the craziest coffee order of all time. It's it's a large black coffee and then four shots of espresso. And then he made like kind of the fart noise when he poured them in like. And then there we go down the hatch. <laughs> Let's start a football day. Um, Phillies rotation. So I'll report on MLB trade rumors um, that the Phillies are entertaining a move to the bullpen for Michael Lorenzen right now. And if you have kind of gone into football mode over the last couple of weeks, you could be scratching your head and saying, wait, didn't he just throw a no hitter? <laughs> kind of. But since then, he's been really underwhelming. His first two starts were awesome. His next couple of starts have been no bueno. Mm-hmm. So do they move him to the pen to see if he can work in two, three inning relief roles in the postseason? It seems like the answer may be yes. And they're going to run with the four of Nola, Wheeler, Walker, and uh, Ranger Suarez. Well, they may favor Christopher Sanchez. That's what I was about to say. Christopher Sanchez has been unbelievable lately. And it's weird. It's tough. And by the way, I think Matt Gelb was was the the reporter on this. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it it just it's tough because I want to trust Lorenzen more. But at the same time, it's you look at what Lorenzen's done over his last seven starts. It's a 
It's a five-two-three ERA, and I think that that would include the no hitter. Uh, that that's so far in the second half. So yeah, that would include the no hitter. So it's been really rough for him over his last few starts. I don't trust Taiwan Walker either. I don't think he's he hasn't even had flashes as good as Michael Lorenzen's. And then, I mean, I think it's it's clear that Wheeler, Nola, Sanchez, Suarez have just been the four better arms, of course. And even Nola in the second half hasn't been great. But you're gonna you're gonna live and die by Aaron Nola, of course. I I wonder if if Sanchez has just pretty much locked himself in as the the more favorable arm. Second half, he has a three six three ERA in sixty two innings. He's striking out nearly nine per nine, so nearly a batter per, per inning, and he's walking only one and a half per nine. I mean, that's really 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 good stuff. So, I guess it's Wheeler, Nola, Suarez, and then Sanchez as that fourth starter. And then Lorenzen out of the out of the pen. I think that that does make sense. And I think ultimately, like I know that they're saying they're considering it, but I, I think it's the right thing to do at this point. It's probably the right thing to do, which is I don't, you're not admitting defeat because admitting defeat would be putting them on waivers and like no. having Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez grab by the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, Nick Kirby, friend of the program, uh, does a great job on a chatterbox covering the Reds there. Um, he kind of grabbed everybody's ERA since the break or since the deadline of pitchers that were moved at the trade deadline. And Lorenzen's got a 5 2 3, even with that no hitter in the eight innings of two run ball. Flaherty's got a 7 1. Rich Hill <laughs> has a 9 2. Hill was already on waivers. Savali's got a 4 3. Uh, Jamont has a 4-2, but Jamont been good. Lance Lynn's got a 4-6. I know he had a couple great starts with the Dodgers, but he's tapered off since then. Uh, Syndergaard had a 5-4, and Giolito has an ERA over 8 since the trade deadline. So there really hasn't been anybody that was good since being moved aside from Max Scherzer, who's out for the rest of the year. So um, it was it was a steep price to pay, and uh, how you Lee may be really good for the Detroit Tigers. We'll see. Um, But having a guy like Lorenzen, not just in that bullpen, but in that clubhouse in the postseason, I think can be really beneficial. And I know that Lorenzen has not been on any winners at any point in his career. This is kind of like the best team he's ever been on. The fact that this guy has been there, done that, and gone through pretty much every single ebb and flow that a big leaguer goes through in performance, I I think that's really going to help some of the young guys. Like, hey, Lorenzen's presence if he's cool with it, is going to seriously help Christopher Sanchez. A hundred percent. And also, this is a guy that you know has experience coming out of the pen. So it's not like they're throwing him into some uncharted territory. And, and if you look at the career numbers, he's actually been better out of the pen. So I don't think it's something that you know, is totally unfamiliar for him. And you mentioned Lorenzen hasn't really pitched much in, in meaningful playoff games and things like that. So like, I think this is a guy that, of course, he wants to start and he wants to get the ball, but he's probably just excited to help a team try to win the World Series and the Phillies have a legitimate shot to do so. So I, you look at the rest of the rotation, and I think that's an important note as well, is it's not just about who's the best starter. It's who's going to actually be able to to contribute out of the bullpen too. And so if you have two guys that you think are neck and neck, they, they might think, you know, somebody else out of, out of that consideration is, you know, also kind of right there in terms of what they can get as a starter. I don't know what Taiwan Walker looks like as a reliever. I I don't know what that looks like. I know that Lorenzen is a pretty solid reliever in his career and also 
in those games where you're up big or down big, he can preserve the bullpen, be stretched out. Uh, if you have to ditch your starter and it's an ugly game, but your offense keeps you in it, we see those all the time. It's 5-5 five, five through two innings. Lorenzen can bridge the gap to the bullpen. I think he's that Swiss Army knife for them. I, I like it. Um, Ty, Ranger Suarez was that guy for them last year. And Suarez was like really good out of the bullpen. He was nails in the postseason. Ranger, what, 14 and two-thirds, two earned runs against him in the postseason. And he came out of the pen twice, but he was kind of like the starter and short leash guy um, at other times in the postseason. I don't think you do that to Ranger Suarez again. I don't no. think you have to. And Lorenzen, I've heard nothing but like great guy. He was kind of a, like he was a lost soul. He mm-hmm. went through some shit growing up. Yeah. But, um, you know, like. I feel like this version of Michael Lorenzen is certainly more receptive to a move to help the team win than any like young pitcher, really. Like yeah. you take it, you take a 26-year-old fireballer like Lorenzen was, and he had the biceps of God. And like you you say, like, hey man, we're gonna yep. relegate you in order to make the team better. You'd be like, oh fuck you, I know my worth. This version of Michael Lorenzen, I don't think is doing that. I'm not even sure that like the younger version of Michael Lorenzen does that. I'm just kind of clumping him into a bucket of young 26 year old fireballers. But yeah, now like, hey, savvy vet is probably cool with this. It's also easier to be cool with it again when you're when you got a chance to win a World Series and you're surrounded. You look around the clubhouse, you see future Hall of Famer, you know, and Bryce Harper. You see a couple stud. I mean, I know Noah's been up and down, but you see Wheeler and Noah and you, you look, you just see talent all around you, Trey Turner as well. And I think it makes it easier to kind of accept a different role. And, and real quick, in his career as a starter, and, and it's almost identical sample size, 375 innings as a starter, 344 innings as a reliever, 441 ERA as a starter, 374 ERA as a reliever. And I know there's, you know, it's been some ups and downs and, and this year overall as a starter, it's been up and he's been better than, you know, I think the career numbers would indicate, but he's had plenty of success as a reliever and is is ready to be stretched out. So I, I would be surprised if they put anybody else in that role other than, other than him. And I think he'll be good in that role. Surprise topic. Chris oh, no. Cotillo, MassLive.com. The Red Sox have fired Heimblum. <laughs> Statement from John Henry. While parting ways is not taken lightly, today signals a new direction for our club. Our organization has significant expectations on the field, and while Heim's efforts in revitalizing our baseball infrastructure have helped set the stage for the future, we will today begin a search for new leadership. Everyone who knows Heim has a deep appreciation and respect for the kind of person he is. His time with us will always be marked by his professionalism, integrity, and an unwavering respect for our club and its legacy. Heim Bloom failed as the GM of the Boston Red Sox. There were some player development things that he did well, but the Boston Red Sox need to be winning close to 100 games every single freaking year, and the Boston Red Sox did not do that. Heim Bloom is gone. I hope Heim Bloom lands on his feet. Um he was a really successful number two guy in the Andrew Friedman coaching tree. Um, he was the two to Neander in Tampa Bay, if I'm not mistaken, before he got hired by Boston. Um, I think he's a really good Robin, but it's clear that Batman just didn't really work for Bloom in Boston. Yeah, it, it's kind of similar to some of the conversations we were having before about like the Billy Epworths of the world and, and things like that. But, but I, I do think that, Heim Bloom is kind of in that same boat of like almost like a like a Walmart AJ Preller where it's 
he's a really good scout and he, he identifies talent extremely well. And, and I think they've done that in terms of you see what they've done in the draft recently and, and some of the IFA guys that they've added. Uh, I mean, Roman Anthony, that pick looks like one of the best picks in in, in multiple the last couple drafts. And he's been awesome as a 19 year old in double A. Uh, of course, Marcelo Meyer falling into their lap was great, but they pulled the trigger. Kyle Teal falling into their lap was great. A lot of teams could have overthought that they they grabbed him. There's a lot of other examples of, of great draft picks that they have you know, been able to nab there. And I think Hein Bloom is great at that. And I think as the number two guy, he's going to be awesome somewhere else. I, I don't think he's going to have a, a hard time finding a prominent role in a front office. I do think he might have a hard time finding a, a general manager's role because similar to some of the other guys that we talk about, it just seemed like when it came to the big league moves, it, it just, it just seemed like he was kind of out of his domain a little bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, going and and paying a Trevor story when, you know, all indications were that not really anybody else was willing to give him that many years. And and you're looking at that guy for for multiple reasons. One, because there was already injury concerns. Two, he wasn't playing that well. And and there was concerns about, you know, of course, just playing away from course. And three, again, there was not that many people that were were bidding on Trevor story. It was very public. And, And I think there's even more that there just was not that much interest in him. So it was really interesting that they gave him that five-year deal. And then you look at some of the other moves that they've made, like you don't add to the rotation that much, but you choose to pay Kenley Jansen 16 million for two years. And Jansen's been fine, but you know, that that's money that could go to a starter. And you know, Jansen's kind of fallen off a cliff this year. And now he's hurt because he's an older reliever. Chris Martin's been great. And and that's been, that should have been the guy that they just added to the bullpen and called it a day there, but yeah. you let Waka walk. And I know that he's been hurt, but, he could have helped them more than they've gotten from a lot of guys. It just was kind of similar to the Cardinals in terms of overlooking the rotation, but almost on a, a weird different level because they paid relievers a lot of money and they paid like Trevor Story a lot of money before that. And they put a lot of faith in in, in an oft injured Chris Sale. And it just it was a really weird approach. And it was weird to see them spend money in certain ways. And the thing that like echoes in my head is, is that the way they approached the Xander Bogart situation, where you, you get the report that yeah, Heim Bloom's in pure shock that he's gone. It's like, what did you think was going to happen? And, and the way that they handled that whole thing was bizarre. And I know that Bogarts hasn't been great, but shit, man, I'd rather have Bogarts on his contract right now than what they're dealing with with, with, with Trevor Story. So, and I still think Bogarts is going to bounce back and be fine. It's it's an interesting one. And, you know, he's been a polarizing exec. It's uh, one of the most common debates that we have in our staff chat, but it's not really a debate. It's everybody versus Colby Olsen. Uh, but, yeah, it, I'm just surprised they did it right now. Uh, I, I don't know why they didn't let him finish the season. That's that's kind of wild. It is kind of wild. Um, man, I this is kind of crazy because Heim Bloom, like obviously his job security wasn't great. And I think everybody could tell you that his job security wasn't great because if you're not winning at the helm of the Boston Red Sox, you're going to be let go. Um, yeah. It's, it's just funny. Cause I, I thought like, all right, that guy, it's, it's not going to be a hit you in the face firing, but this is kind of a hit you in the face firing right now with Heim Bloom. Um, so the bottles are, are they still gold? I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, man, like it's the Bogarts thing that is kind of like the the crown jewel of mediocrity for for Heimblum in Boston, I think, because all right, you you say you're shocked. It was a crazy deal. Two hundred ninety million for Xander Bogarts was 
I, I would have never guessed that. I would have guessed yeah, the ceiling was probably Dansby Swanson level money where it was like 180, but no, it's 290. But, but I don't think it would have been 290 earlier. And that no, was the thing. Absolutely. Then they raised their offer in the 11th hour. And maybe that, that part of that's John Henry. But again, there there was just the, the way that they've handled so many different situations. And it, it just it just was some some malpractice here and there. And, and there's also just, you look at the way that they've kind of handled some of the situations with some of their players. I mean, dude, just look at the, if you want to understand how messed up the whole situation has been at points, look at the different guys they've started at shortstop this year, because when you signed Trevor story, you knew that he had arm issues and that he might not be able to play shortstop or there might be some gaps and, and you might need somebody else to play there. And that's why they were always talking about him potentially playing second base. Most of the time, look at the different players who have played shortstop for the Boston Red Sox this year. You've got Bobby Dalbeck, Yu Chang, I mean, they trade for Alberto Mondesi, who never plays a game for them. Pablo um, Reyes. Pablo Reyes played short. There's probably some other dudes that played shortstop for them. It's just outrageous. So, um, yeah, it just the shortstop situation, the pitching situation, then spending on relievers. Because you can say, oh, well, Heim was handicapped financially. Sure. Then I'm not throwing $32 million at Kenley Jansen. I'm, I'm getting a little bit more creative than that. I'm not throwing $150 million at, at Trevor Story. I, I'm getting more creative than that. Um, so it just it just was weird, weird moves. And the other thing is, like, there's layers to this, man. Like, there were layers. You know, why sign story when you know that Bogarts is up the next year? Like, it just never that made That to me, yeah, sense. that was like the writing was on the wall at that point like, when like, they signed story. You know uh, this. Like, you can open spot track just like everybody else. <laughs> like, it's, I know that stories are, or I know that Bogarts is a free agent next year. Why would you sign another middle infielder that's going to almost create a rift? And, like, if, if you remember – it was the tandem of Bogart's endeavors that were so cryptic and they were almost like laughing at questions about extensions. Like, of course we haven't been fucking offered an extension. Like that was just kind of the way Heimblum was, was operating when I think the Red Sox really lucked into a string of, I think guys that fucking knew what they were doing, man, with, with Theo and then with Charrington and then with Dombrowski, like they had a bunch of guys that I think knew how to operate the Boston Red Sox. And Bloom, I I think he's great making moves between the margins, but you're the fucking Boston Red Sox. You don't need to make moves between the margins. But the story and and Kenley, like those aren't between the margins. And that's they're they're big ticket. They're big ticket. And and I think he got too cute with those. Yeah. And then not trading James Paxton. Why are you holding on to James Paxton? (laughs) Like his big man. He's Canadian. He's nice. They could have got a good return. It just, yeah, blows my mind. But they didn't. Um, all right, let's wrap with games of the weekend here. Um, let's start on Friday. I mean, Garrett Cole makes his valiant return to Pittsburgh. We want to do that. No, we want to do Tampa and Baltimore at 7.05. Zach Eflin against Jack Flaherty in Baltimore. Who wins? Zach Eflin versus Jack Flaherty. Yes. Give me the raise. And that's going to be a this is going to be a sick series. I'm really excited about this one. Yes. Um, but Flaherty's going to get knocked around. Okay. How about um how about Boston Toronto Brian Bayo against Jose Barrios in Toronto? So Toronto needs this one. Bayo's I think kind of running out of gas a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's hit a little bit of a wall. Um, I, I I'm gonna go with Toronto. I think they bounce back, and it, obviously this is a frustrating time in in Boston. Um, maybe it's galvanizing. I don't know, but I think with the distractions, they're kind of fading. Toronto takes an opportunity here to get themselves back in the mix. Got you. 
Um, all right, Friday night in Arizona. How about Justin Steele against a bullpen day if they replay what they do on Sunday where Brandon Fott was the long man? Steele against They're Fott not replaying in Arizona. That. They're not They're replaying not. that one. It was bombs away. Yeah. It's been it's so like, tough to see Fott. Dude, he's been like full-blown not good. It's been derby. It's crazy because, I mean, watching that guy in the minors last year, the, the, Easy. the stuff was so much better. I don't know what's going on with him. But, uh, I mean, bullpen game in Arizona, <laughs> I, I know those are the weird games where the, the one of the Cy Young favorites somehow loses. But I, this is this is Steele's, I think, opportunity to really make that statement. Cool. And I would love to see him shove there. Cool. How about 10 o'clock in Seattle on Friday? George Kirby against Bobby Miller and the Dodgers. I don't George George Kirby. It's going to go one of two ways. He's going to come out and absolutely shove or he's going to to struggle a little bit. I think he comes out with a chip on his shoulder and I think he shoves. And, and I think the Mariners take that one. Um, but that's a fun one. That's going to be a real for so many reasons. That's going to be a great series. Um, all right. Two games on Saturday, going back to Rays Orioles at Camden Yards. Tyler Glass now against Grayson Rodriguez. Oh, my God. This is a good weekend, it's man. It's a great weekend. This is a good weekend. Glass now versus Grayson. I think Grayson matches Glass now. Like, I, I think he comes out and shoves, but the way that Glass now is throwing right now is on a Glass different now level. looks unfucking believable right I now. think matches through the lens of like keeping, you know, runs off the board. I don't think he strikes out 12 or whatever. Give me the Rays again in that one. I think the Rays make a statement and say, like, hey, I know the Orioles have been running away with it, but, you know, we're still here. I think Tampa wins 3 1. I think they get two runs late. I think we go into the seventh tied at one. It's I agree. Guy. I think I think Grayson throws well. I really do. I, I've loved what I've seen from him. Yeah. Um, all right. 940 on Saturday night. Clayton Kershaw against Bryce Miller in Seattle. Dodgers Mariners. I think Seattle takes it again. Kershaw just think, looks he looks. I mean, he's Kershaw. I know. And he's still getting outs, but it's it was tough watching. Like he was sitting 88, 89 last time I, I watched a start from him. Like it's just ugh. Yeah. Um, but Bryce Miller is, you know, been ups and downs too. I, I I'm gonna uh, give me give me the Dodgers because I have the Dodgers losing the first one. Give me the Dodgers in the second one. Okay, yeah, I I've got the Dodgers winning the second one too. I I think I have them splitting the first couple. Um, yeah. and then Sunday, th- there's really no like head to head matchups announced. Um, Charlie Morton and Jesus Lazardo in Miami is kind of fun, but like, give me the Braves. Like, yeah, give me the Braves. Lizardo's the Braves tapering off. Braves own the Marlins and Lizardo did have you know, a really rough start last time out. He ups and downs over the second half. Uh, it's a tough one for him. Uh, Braves win that one. Framber Valdez against Jordan Lyles on Sunday afternoon in Kansas city. How many runs did the Astros win by? <laughs> give me a, give me a five run spread. Hey, haters that want to shit on the Oakland A's all the time. Oakland at this point, um, do they play on Sunday? How do they not play on Sunday? The Oakland A's. Yes, they do. They play San Diego. Oakland is 46 and 100. Kansas City's 46 and 101. The Royals are the worst team in baseball. Open your eyes, people. They're worse than the Oakland A's. Um, so, man, I, I'm with you. It might be a murder. Um, and then a couple series to wrap because we don't have those announced starting pitching matchups. Cleveland and Texas. Texas has yet to announce any starting pitchers. But it's Giolito, Bybee, Gavin Williams in a three-game weekend set. How many games does Texas take? 
this is a big one for Texas. Uh, and that's why, like you said, like, oh, I could see them fading, but this is an opportunity for them to pretty much kind of cement it. Who We don't know who's on Texas' side, obviously. We don't know. Uh, gee, we don't. I, I, I think Texas takes two out of three. Okay. Um, let's do Blue Jays, Red Sox in its entirety. Bayo and Barrios on Friday. Sale and Bassett on Saturday. Pavetta against To Be Determined on Sunday. Does Toronto take two? Uh, it's Bayo, Sale, and Pavetta against Barrios, Bassett, and To Be Determined. Mm, that's going to be an ugly series, I think. I think Toronto takes two out of three. They have to. Okay. Yeah. Also, I forgot. Heim Bloom signed Corey Kluber to a $10 million deal, right? Yeah, people forget. People forget like, about Kluber. Yeah. Um, all right. And then Arizona, I think, has yet to announce any starters for their series at home against Chicago. It is Sunday night baseball. A good Sunday night baseball game, finally. Jordan Wicks against To Be Determined uh, in Cubs Diamondbacks. But it's still... Kyle Hendricks Wicks against three starters that are to be announced for Arizona in Phoenix. Yeah, I I think I think the Cubs bounce back here. I mean, a tough series in Colorado. I think this is an opportunity for them to bounce back. And I mean, this is like do or die at this point. They've really fallen off a cliff. Legitimately, do or die uh, because it could get really ugly if you drop it to to a team that's kind of on your heels all of a sudden here. So. I think Cubs bounce back, take two out of three. Got you. And then Sunday, to wrap up the series, we've got um, Dodgers and Mariners splitting the first two in Seattle. Game one is Bobby Miller and George Kirby. Game two is Clayton Kershaw and Bryce Miller. Game three lines up for Lance Lynn and Logan Gilbert. You mean two out of three for the Mariners? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm buying and I'm buying the stock. All right. Every link you need is in the episode description. It's been a uh, fun week chatting with Aram, but we are giddy to get Peter back on the microphone. Uh, He will enjoy his football Sunday. I hope you guys enjoy your football Sunday. I hope you guys pass your time on Saturday because this is kind of a shitty week for college football, but next week is utterly insane. Um, Again, get your merch. I'm rocking a hat or I'm rocking a shirt right now. Um, Arm's got the polo on, which is a great mm-hmm. slick polo. The polo's awesome, man. It's it's got to be my favorite thing. It's, it's tri fit. It's perfect for golf, ta- whatever you want, or even just like you don't feel like wearing something too nice that's uncomfortable, but you can get away with it. Like polos are fire. Polos are fire. So go get yourself a fire polo, and we will talk to you guys on Monday. Bye.